This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. The first reading for today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 13. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel, which today comes from Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. 
the gospel of the Lord. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you all reconnected with the bounty of blessings that we have and are still groaning from that bounty of blessings. I've always found that, well, not just me, a lot of people find that Thanksgiving marks that beginning of what's called the, the holiday season. Um, at least we kind of try to hold back the floodgates until we get to Thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden, once we get past Thanksgiving, it's 24 hours, Christmas music, all the Christmas lights suddenly come on. And uh, especially when our kids were young, we drive to Chicago for Thanksgiving. And on the way back, the kids would always be watching for all of the Christmas lights that were out. Um, it just, something had changed. And indeed, something has changed. We've come into the season of Advent in which we wait for something. We wait for the coming of Christmas. We wait for the birth of that bouncing baby boy Jesus. And certainly it's an occasion for a lot of excitement, but we've seen it before. We kind of know how this story unfolds. By the time we get there, the whole thing opens up like a Christmas card, and once again, we are presented with that static image of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the stable under a dark blue night sky with that star blazing overhead. And it's beautiful, but it's past. And here, 2,000 years later, we get ready to celebrate it again. But Advent brings with it the call to remember something else. That Jesus doesn't come just once, but Jesus comes again. And so we are called to wait for that as well. Only that is a little different from waiting for Christmas We've had 2,000 years to get used to the idea of Christmas. But that second coming has not yet come. And so that one remains in our future. And because of that, it retains a vibrancy and power. Because we don't yet know what it will be like or when it will come. And so all we can do is wait. This Advent season, the theme that we're using is the theme of light in darkness taken from the first chapter of John where it says, the light comes into the world and the darkness does not overcome it. Which are comforting words to hear as we come into this darkest time of the year. 
And as if resonating with that, there is that natural instinct in us to want to light up the night. As the days get shorter and the nights grow longer, we start festooning our trees and our houses, our dogs and cats with lights, trying to illuminate this darkness, trying to reassure ourselves that spring does indeed come, that this darkness doesn't last forever. We come into Advent. And Advent is a wonderful word to be used for this season. It's a Latin word that means both coming and arrived. And I think just that one word itself is a sermon all on its own on how it is that we are to wait in this dark season. Because it seems like we're waiting forever. In thinking about Advent, I get reminded of uh, one of Zeno's paradoxes. You may be aware of that one that, uh, like where uh, a, a hare and a tortoise are racing. And he said that, well, the tortoise must inevitably win. Because by the time the hare gets to where the tortoise is, the tortoise will have moved. And by the time he catches up with the tortoise, he will have moved a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. Therefore, the hare can never pass the tortoise. And it seems sometimes like that's what it feels like, waiting for this second coming. We keep being told it's almost here. It feels like, we, okay, we're getting closer and closer and closer, but we never actually get there. From the very beginning, the disciples have been anxiously waiting for that second coming before Jesus even left. Remember that scene on the shores of the Sea of Galilee where Peter and the other disciples find Jesus there on the shore? And they have breakfast together, and Peter is just all, he's ready. He's ready for that second coming, and he asks Jesus, will you come before, before this guy dies? To which Jesus says, what's that to you? I'll come when I come. Your job is just to follow me. And indeed, throughout Scripture, Jesus is infuriatingly vague about when that second coming is supposed to happen. Another time he's asked, he likens it to the turning of the seasons. Well, you know, when... Spring comes, the leaves start coming out. You know summer's about to happen, so you'll recognize it when you see it. But this time, he says, blank, uh, he says point blank to the disciples, no one knows when it'll happen. The angels don't know, I don't know. Only the Father knows. And he's not saying. And so... We wait. But 2,000 years seems like such a long time to remain frosty. Seems like a long time to be told to stay awake. I have trouble staying awake past midnight, let alone 2,000 years. And truth be told, we don't stay awake. We fall asleep. We slip into the old patterns, the old expectations, and 
And we start to live as if everything will go on the way it always has. Each day will bleed into another and life will just keep going. But Advent comes around once a year to kick us in the ribs and rouse us, even if just for a moment, to remind us that no, the second coming will happen. And when it does, there will be justice. When it does, there will be peace. When it does, there will be healing and wholeness in creation. It's coming. Wait for it. So how are we to wait then? Is it just the the passive waiting like we do for Christmas to come next year and the next and the next and the next? Or is there something more to it? Is it more of an active anticipation? Is waiting something that we participate in rather than just watch? Is waiting something that we, or I should say, is that second coming something that we have a part in making happen? When I think of that kind of waiting, I think of, for instance, this organization I came across on the web called Raw Tools. Raw being war spelled backwards. It's this organization that decided that there were just too many guns in the world and they started collecting guns and collecting donations. And they take these guns and they saw them up and they reforge them into gardening tools. Actually living out Isaiah's vision of beating swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and now AK-47s into garden trowels. I think of Greta Thunberg, a teenager who just simply dares to think that maybe the world could be a different place and speaks out and makes other people think that maybe the world can be a better place and speak out. When we actively wait for this coming, we start living as if Christ has already arrived, as if Christ is already here. And there's a word for that in scripture, apocalyptic. There, You know, um, apocalyptic literature, you're probably most familiar with the book of Revelation. The book of Daniel is another one. Apocalyptic literature is that which looks ahead to what is coming and paints a vision of what that is going to look like and then invites the people to live into that in spite of what the world looks like now. So even if the world seems violent, And out of control, this vision comes to us of a world in perfect order. Even though we live in a world where people get trodden down, where people get ignored, we get this vision of a world in which all people are gathered around God's throne. Even though we live in a world that is plunging into darkness, we receive this vision of light and then are invited to become 
lights in the world. Each time we dare to live as if Christ had already come, as if the reign of God had already begun here on earth, we become one of those little lights blazing in the darkness, which by itself isn't much, but has that ability to attract others to it, who then catch fire alongside of us. The Jews, as part of that apocalyptic expectation, held the belief that if just once, just once, everyone kept the Sabbath perfectly, the Messiah would come. And in this waiting, I can't help but imagine what would happen if we started waiting as if the Messiah had come. And if each of us caught fire just a little bit, we might find that light becoming more and more glorious until all of a sudden Christ is right there next to us. The kingdom of God comes into being and we hardly even notice it because we're already living into it. The Apostle Paul writes this morning, it's time to wake up. It's time to rouse ourselves from slumber because salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believed. It's time to wake up and to see the horizon starting to brighten and to know that that day is almost here. Let's go ahead and make breakfast. Let's go ahead and start living into it. Amen.